Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. You want us now, ESPN Radio. If you want to stream the show, you always can on the ESPN Montana app or on our station website, 1029ESPN.com. Just click, click listen live. Also, give us your thoughts on what you think of all this. What do you think of college football realignment and the fact that the rich are aligning with the rich, which is making the rich richer? What do you think of all this? What do you think of how it maybe is going to affect the football teams in our neck of the woods? We're going to get to that here mm-hmm. in a little while. But w- w- let me ask you this. Proceed. College sports Mm -hmm. and all the pageantry and all the things that we try to love about college sports Mm -hmm. is such a uniquely and almost exclusively American idea. This isn't happening in other places in the world. And so I wonder if it would be more palatable if we just had a broad club system. Like, just think of how they have – think of basketball in Europe. Mm -hmm. If you have aspirations to be a pro basketball player, you start playing professional basketball when you're 15 years old. Mm -hmm. You're not messing around with high school, college. You're not doing any of that. You're playing on, like, the D team of the – you know, of the league, whatever of, of the Roman, Italian, you know, whatever yeah. league or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you're working your way up. And then all of a sudden, if you're a project, Luka Doncic, you're coming to the NBA when you're 19. But mostly, you might play in the same league or in the same little vicinity since you're 15 until you're 35. Like 20 years, just, just retiring at a normal age. So what I'm getting at, though, is it, it's been sort of a facade that especially college football and Division One men's college basketball has anything to do with anything but the spectacle, the entertainment, the TV, the money. This is not about college. It has nothing. It, I, the only I, thing college-related is the name of the school that they're going to. And we've only really ever seen a... I mean, the only schools... Stanford had a flash where they, they kept up with the Joneses, kind of. Notre Dame is, is like... Right there on the outside of this like eight team juggernaut looking in, but they're they're there. They're, Notre Dame's there. Yes, but the, the schools with the unbelievable academics, they can't even hang in this. So I guess what I'm saying is, what you said was so good and so poignant. I think it is hard for people to stomach just how obsessed we are with this. Mm-hmm. A bunch of kids, a bunch of eighteen to twenty two year olds playing playing a, a kids game. Mm-hmm. In front of 100,000 plus people a lot of times, but also to the maestroing of men that are making $10 million as state employees. I think that's the thing that's hard for people to palate. It's easier to palate when, if you consider it's just professional sports, right? Yeah. 
Like, if Alabama was not the University of Alabama and Nick Saban was not a state and government employee, his $10 million salary wouldn't seem so crazy. It'd be like, oh, he's the head coach of this you know, organization. Of the 33rd best team in America. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of the number one non-NFL team. And so I, I think there's an opportunity for some restructuring here. There's got to be, man. Something, something's got to break. I just, you know, as I'm looking down the... This list that you gave me of the top revenue producers in the FBS, man, like it's the, these numbers are staggering. Like they, there are there are nations on this planet where people, you know, inhabit that don't produce the amount of money these top 25 schools produce collectively. Like this is a gaudy amount of money. Uh, no question. It's ridiculous. So then I started thinking about it. So this leads me that we're just going to flip this show all the way out. It's head. this is just going to be a wide range because we're already rolling on this topic. Uh, first of all, uh, by the way, uh, we also have some Paddleheads tickets for you. We're going to give you a, a pizza pie courtesy of Front Street Pizza, but that's not for about another hour. But we do have a pair of Paddleheads tickets for you for Sunday's game. We gave you tickets tonight and tomorrow, but for Sunday's game, it's a Missoula Osprey throwback night. Ooh. So call us right now, 406 1029 That's 888-1029. Caller number three. We got two tickets for you. It is Sunday's. Uh, I guess we can call it an Osprey game. I almost Freudian slipped and said Osprey, but it actually is the Osprey. Uh, it is, right? man. So, you're correct in that. Well, my hope is no one calls for the tickets or the pizzas so I can eat <laughs> one of those free slices in a nice, uh, in a nice uh, you know, Level row seat. Don't call. It's Friday. You should be out doing something. Please listen to me. Uh, this is me just uh, having a, a squirrel for a second. But th- this game that we're giving you tickets to right now, 406-888-1029, uh, first pitch is at 2.05 p.m., which I think uh, th- this is just one little little suggestion for you there at the Missoula Paddle Ads. I think if you started your games earlier at all times, it would boost your product. I know you're wanting for people to get off of work and get there by 7. I think if you started at 5 and nobody was there yet, it'd be better because more people could stay to the end. I know there's a lot of people that are going with kids. 8.30 rolls around. It's time to go. See you. <laughs> you got to go. So, you know, just a suggestion. But if it makes it more enticing, 2.05 is a uh, is a great time. Great time. For great baseball time. on Sunday afternoon. The Paddleheads hosting the Glacier Range Riders uh, for the first time ever. First time the team from the Flathead coming down here. Uh, it's their inaugural season. So, uh, sort of cool to see the expansion of independent league baseball uh, here in Montana. Also, because it's a Friday, it's also a Florence Coffee Company Friday. I remiss. I was busy running around all day. Didn't get my boy any caffeine. But Look at this face on television yeah, for those watching. <laughs> utter disappointment. But we do have our fair share of our Florence Coffee, so we appreciate Floco for always keeping us caffeinated. It's a Friday yes, night. No matter where you're at in the city of Missoula or around the state of Montana, there's a Florence Coffee Company near you swing on in you can stay up late on a friday night go get yourself some florence coffee uh today so so this brings me then to uh one of the positive things that i thought about or not maybe not positive but but something that you can find at least a little bit of uh intrigue in is that i think even though it's not stated in premise right now that these teams, the, the teams now with, with Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC and USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten and Washington and Oregon certainly going to either the Big Ten or the Big 12. That, that's going to happen soon. It's not as if any of these other schools are just going to stand pat. Notre Dame's going to have to land somewhere. 
Clemson's going to have to land somewhere. There's going to be another shakeup and then another shakeup. And then what the hell does Oregon State and Washington State do? There's so many different uh, dominoes here. We're going to see it all realigned. But even though in, in premise it's not quite yet a move to full-on professional sports, right? I think it is the first step. And I think that that's what, <clears throat> that's what we're going to get to here when, when television contracting is the number one factor in, in the force. alliances of university presidents across the country. I mean, let's let's call it what it is. This is about the TV money that these schools are about yeah. to make, and that is it. That's it. Bottom line. But I was thinking this. This is from actually Andy Staples, who's the head college football writer uh, at The Athletic. He had a great Q&A on there, and he said, if you've not, Andrew will like this as well as, uh, as a soccer aficionado and uh, also our resident host of Soccer and Snow and Smoke. Great podcast. Go check it out. New episodes coming up uh, probably next month. So uh, we'll be back at it once the uh, the Montana Grizzlies soccer season and the high school soccer season uh, on the horizon. But uh, Staples writes, if you've not read a book called The Club, which details how the Premier League was formed in England, it would be very educational for you to read if you're a college football fan because this is very similar. Now college football is a little bit further along in its evolution than English soccer was when the Premier League formed. But basically, it's the transition of a regionalized mom-and-pop operation, which would be college football, that is beloved at a grassroots level into a corporate behemoth backed by media dollars. That is what it is. It's a cor- This is a corporate takeover in college football, and it is going to be a, a point soon where if you don't have a certain baseline revenue in a specific sport, you're not going to be able to compete. That said, I do think there's going to be a reallocation of the tiering of all of this, but this is moving from mom and pop to a corporate behemoth. Staples goes on to write, college football's march towards this began in 1984 when the United States Supreme Court ruled in favor of the University of Georgia and the University of Oklahoma against the NCAA, which had control over everybody's football TV rights at the time. It's weird because we're actually moving back toward a single seller of TV rights or maybe two sellers of TV rights, which obviously increases the dollar figure. Pause again on this Andy Staples great answer. This is the other thing is people forget once upon a time there was the AFL and the NFL. And, and I, again, I know... NBA, CBA. And ABA. ABA, uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, right. But then there was the CBA there was for the a CBA moment in well, time yeah. as well. But truly, though, those, those two uh, had to choose to merge. And people also forget that NBC used to have the exclusive rights of the NFL... Then when that split and Fox came in the mix and Rupert Murdoch made sure to get the NFC rights and CBS was able to poach those CBS rights, it became a two-network league. That's what the NFL has been until now they've jumped into the cable game as well. That's what we're moving towards with these guys Mm -hmm. reallocating, reorganizing, is we're moving towards basically two 20-team conferences. I think that's what we're going to have. Two 20-team conferences. So then Staples goes on to write, when the Supreme Court broke up that deal, everybody started selling their own rights as conferences. That's sort of the precipice of where we are today. That's how the consolidation began. So conference consolidation and realignment has been going on really since the late 1980s and early 1990s, and there's been several iterations of it. The major ones are in the early 90s when the SEC added Arkansas and South Carolina, the Big Ten added Penn Mm -hmm. State, and Florida State joined the ACC. That's the other thing that people forget. When Joe Paterno was tearing it up winning national championships at Penn State, they weren't in a conference. Nope. They were independent. Yes, sir. Miami played independent for quite some yes, time and did. won national championships as yes, an independent. Yes, they did. Uh, Florida State was an independent for a uh, moment in time as well. 
So uh, it goes on to say when Florida State joined the ACC. Basically, it became uncool to be an independent. The Big East picked a lot, picked up a lot of the uh, East Coast correspondence. Mm-hmm. You get to the early 2000s with the ACC beginning to raid the Big East because John Swafford, who was the commissioner of the ACC at the time, recognized if they didn't, the Big East was going to get them. So this just all goes down to basically further explain that this is going to be the SEC and the Big Ten, and that's it. But there's also maybe an opportunity here. I think I think Andrew would maybe have some perspective on this too, so we'll bring him in in just a minute. But the way that the EPL works is if you're towards the bottom of the standings, you can get basically dismissed from the league. Yeah. Andrew, I'm just going to have you explain this to people. You can basically – your spot in the league is up for grabs. If that's what this became, and now all of a sudden – there's like Wyoming and Montana and Nevada and Fresno State and San Diego State are maybe competing to play their way into that 40 if they continue to make progress. Now I'm a little bit more warm on this than I uh, when I was cold, but explain the the uh, EPL thing to the people, Andrew. So that is how it works in just about every soccer league in the world except for the MLS. Um, if you finish at the bottom of the league, one year you're going down to the lower league. If you finish at the top of the lower league, you're going up to the top league. The issue with this happening ever in college football is uh, sort of the reason that we're talking about this at all, right? It's it's the money. Sure. Which is that if we have these two 20 or 2014 conferences right. that have formed specifically because of monetary reasons, they're doing it to get a bigger slice of the pie. Right. None of those teams that form those conferences are ever going to agree with a system that sees them potentially give up all of give up that pie entirely by sure. being relegated. Yeah, and it's such a good point, what you're saying. And uh, yeah, the other thing I think about, and maybe you'd have some perspective on this, I think that one of the things that turns people off about this is basically it's drawing a line in the sand, whereas if you're not in these two conferences, you cannot win a national championship. Well, not only that, does it take it, it takes away the 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 grub steak, the poor man's choice and, and, and feeling what I don't like about it. And you know, me Coulter, it takes away from the social cultural pageantry of football. Sure. Like the big East is the big East for a reason. The PAC 12 is PAC 12 and the, right. the, the rivalries that ensued, you know, within all of that's gone. Sure. If this comes into fruition, like college football, as we know it, there's just there's just the wiping away of something that that I think is something that is so beautiful for 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 the sport regardless of the sports, uh, just for intercollegiate athletics overall. Nuanas now ESPN Radio, Red Team Seabrook rolling with me, Colter Nuanas, Andrew Houghton back behind the glass, helping us produce the show, talking all things college football here on your Friday. It's a Friday pie day. Stay tuned. About an hour from now. Going to give you a free pizza from Front Street Pizza. All you got to do is call us. We call them. You pick up your pizza. You have a great Friday night. And then give it to me. <laughs> Regine wants one of these pizzas so bad. I love Front Street Pizza. I know. It's great, man. We're just going to have to go there after the show one of these days. Um, so part of me would say this line drawn in the sand that basically is defining and enforcing that no one that's not in these conferences can win a national championship and that you need to produce – 70 million plus in revenue to be able to to do this. And to put that in perspective, folks, 70 that's a lot of money. There is there's 30 I looked this up the other night. There's 30 teams in college football that produce at least 70 million dollars of revenue or more. To put that in perspective, the University of Montana, the last number I could find was 2019, so that's the pre-COVID. So that's actually probably a good number. A good number actually. Right. 
$3.62 million is what they produced in ticket revenue, and then the, the program itself produced about $4 million in total revenue. So you're talking that the University of Montana, which is, compared to most college football programs, a very highly successful one in terms of producing yes. revenue and drawing from a, a you know a given population base. Great fan base. They're about 20 times short of where you need to be to be in this. All that said, I think that this makes it such a black and white line. But the other part of me would argue that only about 30 teams could ever win the national championship anyways. But it just feels like strong-arm robbery. Right. Like, it, it really, really does. It's like, if you got it, you're in. If not, mm, back burner, hope someone picks your game up at 3 o'clock in the morning on ABC. I, I mean, I think that I think that the University of Oregon is such a great example. You can't have better financial backing than Oregon. No. I mean, they got Phil Knight. I mean, he, he, Hands is, down. he is the the biggest college booster in the history of college sports. <laughs> so, Pretty much. So you can't have better financial backing. You can't have more swagger. You can't have more of a of a monopoly on your part of the country. Make more money. I mean, Oregon, I think, was like 17th in, in revenue production. I don't know. I have it right here. But regardless, Oregon has never really even had a seat at the table. Like, they knocked on the door for a minute, and, and then they – like kind of entered into the door and sat at dinner for a couple years, and then they have been right outside the door. Like if Washington and Oregon can't even get in this mix, then who actually could win a national championship? It's the same. It's the same ten teams we, everyone talks about every so that, year. And that's what I think. That's the other reason this makes this sort of hard to swallow is Alabama, Georgia, Auburn, Michigan, like the, the Ohio State. These are the only contenders, and they're basically doing this in order to yep. then continue to make more money off yep. of each other. Rich get richer. Man, it, it is it is quite a deal. Um, Unreal. But if there was, again, if there was some sort of stratification or there was some sort of an ability for um, entrance into these conferences based on performance, that might be, that might be a little bit more uh, easy to palate. But... Man, I, I, it's 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 crazy, it's crazy. This is like uh, it's it's like watching someone play Monopoly money with with other people's lives. From from a uh, mental health maybe is the wrong word. Just a human psychology standpoint, though, I think that I actually know that most Americans mm-hmm. that like football or that love football or that obsess over football, yes. Don't like this. I hate it. Don't like most of the actions of the NFL. They don't like most of the ways college football has gone with transfers and NIL. Most people don't like it. The ratings aren't going to go down a single ounce. Not a bit. I'm still. Why is that? Why is that? Why are we so addicted to it? Mentally, psychologically, why is it that we can sit here and scream on the radio every weekday, every off-season day about how much we don't like all this stuff, yet? We, because it's the only thing that satiates that need, that want for that gladiatorial aspect. All throughout history, I don't care if you're European, Asian, African, South American, Central American. I don't care. We like competition. We like, we like ferocity. Why aren't we just obsessed with track and field then? It's the purest sport. It's all about winning. If we just liked competition, there's something else about football. You can't forearm shiver anyone while they're hurtling. That's why. (laughs) I just want to know. Right? Is is that it though? Is it the? Is it violence? We like violence. We like violence. We like aggression. 
and and uh, it doesn't matter the sport. We like we like our skiers to be aggressive. We like our divers to be aggressive. We like our Man. mountain bikers to be aggressive. It doesn't matter. We like Bob Ro- Ross when he strokes the life out of something on a canvas. We like that assertive, aggressive <laughs> nature. You know what I'm right. saying? Like it doesn't <sighs> matter the 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 vessel or the or the or the uh, whatever. We like we like that gladiatorial aspect of life. Tell me I'm wrong. Man, I, I've been. This is a total uh, 90 degree angle here, but uh, we are in the weeds today, folks. But I've been I I've been watching A and E, the you know the channel A and E. They do these biographies. Ooh, and there, there's I, been, I like there's those. been these little biographies about all sorts of different things. Who are you watching? Who'd you watch? But the last week or so, I've been watching all the professional wrestlers. Ooh. And just the character developments and things like that. But I was thinking about how that hit when it when it became like a, a pop culture phenomenon. And make no mistake, I mean Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage, those guys were like some of the biggest stars in America during the peak of that. I mean WrestleMania was putting more people in the football stadiums than any football team in the NFL. I where you're going with this parallels exactly where college football is at. It, because I think that's exactly right is we worship those guys because we thought they were superheroes, but then once we sort of saw behind the curtain and realized it was fake and once guys couldn't just take copious amounts of steroids and actually look like action figures, it, it kind of took a, a downhill. Yep. Our 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 it's Adam Silver said this about the NBA as well. He said the NBA is so unbelievably popular because it's so apparently obvious to anybody that steps into an NBA arena how gifted these guys are. Specifically, just how the gift that they received with their unusual size. Like, there's just nobody that looks like Joel Embiid really anywhere in the, in the world. So That can you, move like that. Right. So it does, anybody in the world can see, wow, that guy is impressive to look at. Right. I think that's exactly right. This is, this is, our, um, this is our circus. But we can also attach to it. Because of allegiance of where we went to school or where our dad went to school or oh, who yeah. we grew up watching. Totally. There's that too. Lineage, histrionics, like all the things. All the things, my friend. Well, you know, I, I, I want to say that this is just like the death of college football. It's it's, it's not. It's gonna, The sport is going to continue to get bigger. It's never going to not get bigger. I actually don't know how it could possibly not get bigger. Because it used to be that if you graduated from said school, you moved out of the region, you're going to have a hard time, unless the game was on national TV, watching said game. Now, it doesn't matter if you live in New Zealand. You can watch Alabama every single weekend if you want. You can find the, the streaming service, the whatever. And now with these networks, that's why it's going to continue to grow, continue to grow, continue to grow. So we're going to continue to search for the positives. It's really fun to rant and rave about, I'll tell you that. And it is just totally crazy. And uh, I think that's one of the repercussions, whether you want to think it's good or bad, the, the financial realities and the financial um, trans- the, 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 the transparency of the finance behind college football, those are the things that were most revealed during the pandemic. My brother, he hit this square on the head. He said this right when the NCAA tournament first got canceled. He said, you watch. The pandemic is going to be the worst thing that ever happened to schools that don't make a bunch of money off of sports. And it's going to be the best thing that ever happened to the schools that make a ton of money off of sports. And, man, was he right. The polarity continues, ladies and gentlemen. The polarity continues. More of this discussion plus a discussion on some of the best stories from around the state of Montana. Right after this, Rajim Seabrook riding shotgun with me, Coulter Nuanas. This is Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. 
Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. When it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice. And that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, We handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days. And that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. I wish we could have played what we were actually just talking about on the radio, but we can't. We're not trying to get fired. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday. Hi, I don't get paid. You can't fire the volunteers, <laughs> man. I got some I got some presents for you. Remind me. Oh, okay. Uh, Nuwana Brad James Seabrook, working for free on Friday here on uh, ESPN Radio. <laughs> Maybe we should just change the name of the show to that. Uh, we were just talking about our feelings for Aaliyah, which unfortunately passed away so young, but... Uh, what a great artist and what a what a uh, memorable impression in a short amount of time. Correct. Uh, she left. Uh, as tends to happen, we just kept talking about what we were talking about in the last segment during the break. So we're just going to rehash all of that. We were talking about, because Rajim, we clicked off the bikes and he uh, basically reemphasized he does not like all this college football realignment. Nope. And you were saying that you were concerned for the uh, state of, of the Division one schools that can't make the, that are that are so yeah. far away from making this jump. Yes, and it, it, I agree. It's a worrisome thing because it's it's trickle down economics. That's what the college football business model is: trickle down economics. You need uh, Alabama to play Gardner Webb. You need Texas A and M to play Sam Houston. You need Washington to play Montana. You need those games to happen for the redistribution of this already tremendous wealth. But I do think there's a a perfect world in which some of the schools out West specifically, I do think the schools in the West have a unique opportunity right now. Who knows how they'll capitalize on it, but I do think they have a unique opportunity right now to realign or or align for the first time. And we were talking about Oregon State and Washington State. I think those are the two schools that are going to be hung out to dry in this or at least be searching for new friends to play with. And... Are, are those new friends exclusively out of the Mountain West, or do they include some of the state schools like Montana and Montana State and maybe North Dakota State, North Dakota? I don't know, but I do think there's some there's a lot of pros if that were to happen. First and foremost, there is a future in which we could have a, a second-tier Division One that isn't these – we're calling the Super Two, right? I think the Super Two is going to have 40 to 45 teams in it in the next two to three years, right? Mm-hmm. Then we're going to have – what I'm going to call the best of the rest. And it's all the schools from basically uh, SMU through Wyoming, through Nevada, through Montana, you know, 
and, and Hawaii. It's basically like the bottom half of the FBS and the top half of the FCS, FCS yeah. right? Yep. And I think these these teams could re uh, re ally. I've heard my whole life living in Montana, covering football in Montana, that if the Cats and the Grizz moved up, they would get destroyed. And I agree with that premise. If the current teams right now went and played. In in the Mountain West, I, I do. Yes. I think I think last year both teams were really good. Last year, mm-hmm. I think both those teams could have maybe won three or four Mountain West games last year. So you're talking like middle to bottom of the of the pack, right? Right. But you know, Mike Montana would have whipped some of the Mountain West teams. They would have oh, whipped, whipped UNLV and, and teams. Oh, like no that. doubt. But like Fresno State's like a top thirty program. Oh right yeah, now. they, they got some. Beating, point. They ain't beating the dogs. I mean, Boise State's good. Uh, they always have been good. So, but anyways, these current iterations they would be far behind. But if you move up to the FBS, you automatically double your football revenue because you're getting TV money that you've never seen before. That's a benefit. Double your scholarship opportunities. You get 23 more, 22 more scholarships. Every guy on your team, that's the other thing that people don't realize. At the FCS, they have what they call the equivalency. Yes. So every team has 63 scholarships. Up to 85 players can be on scholarship, and you can have 104 players on your roster. Trying to hit each of those equivalency marks is one of the challenges of being an FCS coach. On the FBS level, you have 85 full-ride players. So you don't have dozens of walk-ons on your team. You have 85 full-ride guys. Now, people would say, what's that going to mean for Montana kids? Well, you're going to have more money for Montana kids from scholarship perspective but I also think that you're just going to be able to fill in the blanks a lot better. But more than anything, I think that if you moved up and you gave it a few years and you actually had the revenue coming in from TV, mm-hmm. the, the extra resources you're going to be able to produce. Because make no mistake, the max the revenue right now at the Montana schools for football is maxed. Mm-hmm. They can't make it. You you're not going to make any you, more money. You can't sell any more tickets than no. they're selling. I mean, the Bobcats have averaged over 100% capacity for the last couple of years. Yes. Because they have 17,777 seats, but they put these standing room only in and they sell it out for 18,000. You can't sell more tickets than they're already selling. So they need new revenue opportunities. This this would provide that. Mm -hmm. But as you and I were talking about, I think one of the most interesting factors here is that for better or worse, like it or hate it, Uh Montana is not going to be the same as it it has been for so long. The secret is out about Montana. Mm -hmm. The population is going to continue to explode. There's way more open space here. There's a way better quality of life here. We love it. We don't like all these people coming in. It doesn't matter. It's happening. How do you capture those people? It's way easier to sell a ticket to a football game to a man on the street when you're playing real regional state schools and not directional universities, Southern Utah, Northern Colorado, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Somebody, Somebody that's new to Missoula He's going to go watch Colorado versus Montana. He's going to go watch Nevada versus Montana, Fresno State versus Montana, Boise State versus Montana State. It's not the same deal with Northern Colorado as the team coming into the stadiums. No, the moniker moniker sells itself, and I'm following your logic uh, wholeheartedly. I just just think you use the word dominoes and you use the word trickle down, and that's exactly – it's like Ronald Reagan is back in the house with trickle down economics, except now it's just football-related. Um. I hope it does not go this route because I, I just think that for every action, there's an equal or opposite reaction. Sure. Initially, it does not bode well for the 
the next tier down for football. Um, but as with anything, it'll snap back, and we'll see what happens. I'm just... Uh, what do you think of the... What are the detriments? I mean, what, what do you think could be the fallout? Well, I think the fallout is if, if you know, current trends co- uh, come into full fruition, uh, the Pac-12 doesn't exist, you know? Well, no, that's already going to happen. That, I mean, that, it's, it's Pac-12, inevitable. The as Pac-12, it, as it is, there, there's going to be well, six more teams from the Pac-12 that are gone. Right. Colorado, Utah... For sure. Arizona, Arizona State, they're not going to be caught their pants down when Oregon and Washington leave because that, I think, is inevitable. Right. We're going to see, we're, we'll either see the end of the Mountain West or the end of, of the Pac 10. Like well, so that's, that's why I think that instead of poaching from each other, specifically, there's only three di- real Division One football conferences in the West the Pac 12, Mountain West, the Big Sky. Yes. Half the Pac 12 is about to sell out and go chase the money. So the other, I guess, what is there, nine Mountain West football schools, maybe 10? Uh, and then there's, I think there's going to be four Pac-12 schools that are sitting there looking for answers. It's going to be Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, Cal and Stanford. Stanford. Stanford and Cal should just go do their own thing. They should, they should just play independent or try to get into one of these other leagues. I don't know. Maybe they end up as one of the top 40. I don't think Cal would. Maybe Stanford maybe does. Maybe Stanford does. Stanford can bring so much from all the other sports. Totally. Right? So if they're, all, if they're in the Big Ten, Stanford could bring so much to the other sports. Yes. Even though you're not getting a huge media market there, it's still California, and they have such—I mean—they have a national brand. Everybody knows what Stanford is. But I, I think though you're going to have, for sure, Oregon State and Washington State, and then the whole Mountain West and the top half of the Big Sky looking for a new, a new home, a uh, new uh, nest. So instead of poaching from each other, the Pac-12 stealing these teams or the Mountain West stealing these, te- these teams, we should just get together and figure out what's the best in uh, the West. How, how does the best in the West? Filter out. I, my head feels like a dreidel. It's just spinning. <laughs> New on is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Rajim Seabrook rolling with me. Hey. New on is. All right, so uh, let's see. We got other things to talk about, brother. I know, I know, but I, I had a a, uh, a pseudo conference for you, but I don't think I, I think I did forgot to copy and paste that part of the notes. But I mean, just to put a bow on this. Just from our perspective. Yes. Covering the Grizz, covering the Cats, covering the Big Sky Conference. Let's go. If the the Montana schools ended up in a league that involved Nevada and Utah State and Wyoming and maybe San Diego State um, and whoever else maybe aligns. Oh, I would say together. Hawaii. I think San Diego State would probably end up in the, one, in the league right above that. But mm-hmm. regardless... I do think there's some positives to it. I do think that it would be uh, it would be a breath of fresh air. I do think that if you had the right leadership in place, you could recruit. Just because I I still hold the premise that Missoula and Bozeman are sweet, like Agreed. they're cool towns. Like if, if, who if, could have if, ever thought you could build a Pac-12 program in Corvallis, Oregon? But they did, and and they were or they were Pullman, good, Washington, and they were good at times, right? You hire the truth when you are in the top level, even if you're not a top level market. You can like it's still a draw. Think about what Dennis Erickson did for Oregon State, or Mike Leach did for Washington State. Those big time coaches are not moving to Pullman, Washington, unless they're in a high division. Mm-hmm. But maybe you can go get yourself, you know, an unbelievable, like a brand name national head coach mm-hmm. if you're Montana or Montana State. If you're up a division, I don't know. I, we'll I, think, I think there's opportunities. Time will tell, my friend. The the best news and the worst news all at the same time. Someone call about that pizza? <laughs> we have no control over any of this. So we're, we're just along for the ride. We're just going to sit here, watch, think about it, talk about it, analyze it. We're going to talk about some happy stuff, though. How about the best stories of the year? We're actually going to do it, plus a history lesson. Keep it right here. No one is now. ESPN Radio.
It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or of course you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold, or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus. 